Second Timothy, I mean, First Timothy 4, we have been, or we started last week and we will continue over the next few weeks, Lord willing, through this passage of Scripture, taking a little small chunk at a time today. Today, we'll just camp out on one verse. But I want to read the whole four verses for you here, if we can, real quick. You can follow along. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Actually, we're going to be doing two verses today. I'm trying to figure out where if I've got this. Josiah, it feels like it's popping back. Can you hear the kind of, I'm trying to figure out, it's going to annoy me the whole time, so I'm working on it. Uh, Devote yourselves. The word devote here means to give full attention. It means to set a course and keep on that course. I've said this before about when I met Jan, end of, August, end of July, 1st of August in 1985. She had my full attention. I didn't give it to her. She just took it. I mean, it was like, okay. And then when something has your full attention, you begin to devote yourself to it. You set a course and you begin to set these parameters. We'll talk more about that next week as we set up this process, if you will, of how do we stay on track. But Paul is saying here, set a course. Get hold of it. Don't let go of it. Devote yourself to the public preaching, public reading of Scripture, teaching, and preaching. Sometimes it's so easy for us, I think, as preachers, if you will, not easy in the sense of knowing exactly where the Lord's leading us, but we... I probably have lost count how many Bibles I have. How many of you would say, if I asked you today, you could tell me how many actual Bibles you own, you would know that number. Now, some of you would, but for many of you, you really don't even know. You've lost count. You've got the big one on the coffee table. I know that's years ago, probably not, but you know what I'm saying. You have the family Bible, and you have those things that are handed down. Some you've wore out. I've got some that's got duct tape on them because I use them for so long, and I'm from Arkansas, and duct tape works for everything, okay? So those kind of things. But sometimes we forget that Timothy is being encouraged, exhorted here to preach the word, and he doesn't have this. So what was Timothy preaching? What was he teaching? What was he, and he says to do it in the public. So really what that is referring to, not just like what we publicly do, anybody can come in if they want to, but it really meant out in the marketplace. They were out in places that many of us would be fear and trembling. We would go there trying to preach. But what would Timothy preach? Well, no doubt he had the Old Testament. 
what we'd consider the Old Testament. He had letters probably from Paul. And we said last week, you know, Timothy was, was the JV. He was the B string. He was something besides the A string because he's, as we read last week, Timothy was sent to different places. And Paul just basically said, hey, Timothy, I'm not going to send you me. I'm going to send you the second best me. And I know that's way over stating this. But he's going to live out the example that he watched me live, and I lived out the example of what I believe Christ lived, so you're getting Timothy. So I have a feeling Timothy was preaching what Paul would preach. That's my feeling. That's my, we don't know for sure, but that's what I'm convinced of. So what did Paul preach? Well, let me back up a second. I don't think I did this last week, because Timothy is obviously in, in, let me see, obviously, but many of you would know he is in Ephesus, now, Paul had started a work there in Ephesus. I'm giving you a little background on Ephesus. Uh, it is where modern-day Turkey would be. I don't have a map. If I'd had more time, I'd had more toys. I don't have them up there today. But the Romans called this the crown jewel of Asia Minor. At its peak, about 400,000 people lived there, and it was an international trade site. And it was one of the most famous cities around. And here comes Paul, armed with what? A message. Really, that's all he had. And one other thing, well, maybe more than one thing, but one other thing. He had done this in other places, and there is a confidence that had grown. There was a faith that he had that God could that allowed him to step into that city full of idols. And I'm not going to read all of it here for you here today, but full of idols. Gave him a confidence to walk into that. There is something about a confidence in knowing that God is putting you in moments that you would not desire, but there's a building of confidence because you've Continue to follow him by faith, and it just continues to build. And so here Paul comes into Ephesus, and he challenges this cultish, idol-worshiping culture. I love what Timothy Keller says. Unless you challenge the idols, you cannot preach the gospel clearly. Unless you challenge the idols, you cannot preach the gospel clearly. And believe me, he is not talking about Artemis. He's not talking about, he is talking about us in our culture for sure, the idols that we have. I don't have time today to break that down for you. But what I will say to you, Paul is challenging the idols. And the word says, and Luke says, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. What I love about Paul, I think, you know, whether he understood all that Peter had done on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2 is, is written. Paul, I would believe, doesn't spend a whole lot of time just trying to get, you know, to try to make everybody feel good. He probably didn't say, you're okay, I'm okay, we're all okay. That's not the message he preached. 
He preached a message for radical transformation. That's what he preached. And he knew that he had to preach a message that way. I love this out of the message in Eugene Peterson. And, uh, and it's this. You know what? I don't have it in front of me here. My bad. You got it up on the screen? Acts 20. I will explain a little bit why I'm a little behind here in just a minute, so I, I would take that. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus for the leaders of the congregation. When they arrived, he said, you know that from day one of my arrival in Asia, I was with you totally, laying my life on the line, serving the master no matter what, putting up with no end of scheming by the Jews who wanted, wanted to do me in. I didn't skimp or trim in any way. Every truth and encouragement that could have made a difference to you, you got. I taught you out in public, and I taught you in your homes, urging Jews and Greeks alike to a radical life change before God and an equally radical trust in our master, Jesus. Paul said, I didn't cut any corners with you. He said, because there's too much at stake. I came here to tell you the truth, and I told you everything I knew. But what I taught you was, and what he said was, repent and turn from your sin. Not a popular message, I get it. Still not. To this day, it's not. But Paul wanted to preach a message so that not only would individual lives be changed, but a culture could be changed because it starts with individuals, right? That individual lives could be transformed, radically changed, and then out of their ripple, maybe in their home first, there would be this ripple effect of a transformation of a culture. Repentance was the central call of the apostolic message. Friends, it hasn't changed. Jesus' first sermon, repent. Peter's first sermon, repent. Paul's message, repent. What if that's the key to everything? What if that's the doorway into this whole other world that you didn't know? What if that is the key? Because I believe it is, and you've heard me say here before, when, those, when Jesus and the apostles were going around saying, repent and be baptized, repent and turn from your ways, they weren't yelling condemnation, 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 which is what, much of what we hear, what people want to hear today when you say repentance. What they were saying was, way to freedom. This is the way to freedom. This is the way to freedom. They weren't preaching bondage. They were preaching this is the way. It's the way. So, we wonder what Timothy was preaching. I have a feeling we have some clue. Teaching, reading Scripture, the calling that he had on his life. You know, I know it gets a little weird 
And I understand sometimes it is frustrating, especially when you're younger. Maybe it's always, but when people say, what's your calling? Have you ever had that kind of like a frustration thing? Go, what, what's your calling? And you go, well, I, 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 and you feel like you're being left behind because somebody's figured out their calling. I, I know for me, and sometimes, and so many times we define that calling as a occupation or a call into full-time ministry, or we kind of define it that way. I know for our oldest daughter, Sydney, we were in a mission trip, a short-term mission trip to North Little Rock, and they have a group there called the Sunshine Gang, which is, which is older, uh, physically and, and, and mentally challenged. And, and those who've been to Arkansas with us know it's an awesome group. They sit on the front row at Friendly Chapel. They, they are a, they're a blast, and they're just such a blessing. But my daughter, Sydney, I think may have been 15, 16 years old. She went and worked with them and knew at that moment, if, whatever that age was, that she was called to special needs. Now she's 30, what now, Jan? 33, 34, working on 34. And she's dedicated her life because she knew in that moment. Got another daughter named Allie. Tori's known for a long time in social work. Allie, we just, for many of us, have known the last few years, she's called, she was called to preach. She's in Lubbock, Texas, just finished up a for for young women's conference. They're preaching. But she's how old is she, Jan? No. But my point is, it was way later, like almost 14 years later than what the don't sweat it. But continue to be obedient. Continue to seek. Continue to be obedient where you are right now. Because let me tell you, your first calling, and we all have it, and it's the same calling that he said to the first disciples, come and follow me. Colossians 3.17 And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Paul says, whether I eat, drink, or whatever I do, I do do it all for the glory of God. That's a call on your life. That's a call to follow him. We all have it. We all have the same cause found in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anybody in here, anyone? Just checking. Anybody in here, anyone? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry, gave us, anyone, that's you, you said yes a while ago, anyone gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. You don't have any choice in that, friend. If you're anyone, if you classify yourself as anyone in Christ, you've been called to follow him and be obedient to him as if you're his representative everywhere you go. Think of the best company or think of the best sports team or think of the whatever. You go, man, I would work for them in a heartbeat. And I would love going out and being an evangelist for that company. I would love going out and being an evangelist for the University of Arkansas Razorbacks, an evangelist. Everywhere I go, I'm telling people about the University of Arkansas and why they should be a part of it. The creator of the universe, the king of kings and lords of lord of lords. He's already given that to you. You represent, represent. And as we're transformed back into his image, we are like Adam, Adam, the the, the, shuvah, the, 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 the reflection of God in nature. It is when, the, when nature saw Adam, when, they, when the animals saw Adam, they were supposed to almost rub their eyes at times and say, oh my goodness, I got you confused with God. Think about that picture just for a second. And so as we're being restored back, being reconciled back to the image of an almighty God, there should be times that people almost have to hesitate and rub their eyes just a little bit and go, man, I was with you, but I felt like I was in his presence. Oh, friends, you've got a calling. Before we even get into the other stuff, before we even get into specifics, if you're married, you've got a calling. If you're a parent, you have a specific calling. Then it gets out into occupation, and I get it. But the number one, and really there's the only calling, it covers all the rest of them, come and follow me. And everything else begins to fall into place. I was with a young man many years ago, and he was, we're having lunch, and he just said, Kurt, I'm so frustrated, he said, because my friends, he was at ASU, and he said, my, uh, my friends, you know, they know they're going to be a doctor, or they're going to be an engineer, or they're going to be this, and they're going to be that. He said, I just feel like I'm being left behind, because I don't know what I'm going to be, and it just feels frustrating. And almost like I'm not fully living into. And I reminded him of Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I know we don't have the scripture. If you were here last week, I had it then. <laughs> Therefore, in view of God's mercy, brothers, brothers and sisters, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. That is your reasonable act of worship. No longer conform to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing or morpho, metamorphosis from a caterpillar to a butterfly, a metamorphosis transformed 
by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And what I said to him was this. I said, this is what I believe. God is more concerned about who you're going to be than what you're going to do. If you'll get the being right, the doing will follow. I don't think there will be confusion about it. I think the Lord will show you. I think you'll be able, because your heart is chasing after him. Even if you find out when you get to heaven you were wrong, I think you'll still be blessed. (laughs) Now, what I mean by that is, hang with me, is because you were following after what you believe God was showing you. You were trying to be obedient. You were trying to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And what you knew, you tried to live into And yes, this calling, I believe it never contradicts Scripture. That's one thing. I've had, I literally have had people say in my office when I was in Texarkana one time that a woman had left her husband and was starting to going to marry this one guy. She believed God had called her to divorce her husband. And I just said, yeah, that, that, you got, that was a, that was a spam call. You should have done something else. (laughs) But let me say this, spam wasn't around then, so I just want to make sure we don't even know what that, we, we wouldn't know what that was 20 years ago. You can't line that up with Scripture. You just can't line it up with Scripture. So sometimes there's, but I've also known there's things that need to be affirmed by the body and things along that line. I've had people come to me before and say, well, Kurt, I think I'm called in the youth ministry because I've got this unbelievable testimony from as a, as a child and as I grew up and as a teen, I think I'd be an awesome youth, youth pastor because I have this story. You know how long that lasts in youth ministry? About as long as you can tell the story. <laughs> it's got to be more than that. There's a difference between a testimony and a calling. That's great to have a testimony about something. It very well may be that. I've tried to talk more guys out of being girls out of being student ministries and trying to talk them into it. I've tried to talk them out of it. When it's based on those kind of things, I believe I've had more interns that end up not being youth pastors than end up being youth pastors. <laughs> it's serious business. And just a hunch, I believe God uses circumstances. I believe he uses, I mean, yesterday I was with, uh, he uses circumstances, he uses the word, he uses people to help you clarify. Empowered, hopefully all, by the Holy Spirit because you're seeking God, you're, you're on your face before the Lord, and you're seeking him, and he is using these circumstances and people in the word to use those things. I was there yesterday in Texarkana at where I started in youth ministry 30 years ago or started going and helping, but I just thanked the guy. I actually didn't thank him. I said, it's your fault I'm in, the, in this thing. That's actually what I said to him yesterday. But a man who was a youth pastor there at Texarkana said, hey, Kurt, won't you come back here and just help us corral these 20 teens we got? I, I was just a layman trying to, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just, I knew I was called to preach to some degree, but didn't know what. And so I went back there and helped him corral those 20 teens. I didn't know that God was going to begin to stir something, begin to open something up, begin to develop something inside of all that. And then he goes, will you do a retreat for us? And he was still the youth pastor. Will you do a retreat for us and preach for sure? Then all of a sudden there's this, and then as time goes on, you realize, hey, I think I'm supposed to be doing this. And then I looked at the few guys that were there, and I know some of them listened, Jack, John, Vance, 
Thank you. Man, they hung in there. As a youth pastor leaving Alumax, running a meal, and I walk into that place not knowing what I was doing to save my life, or I would have never done it. I'll be honest with you. I would have never left Alumax if I didn't know what I was getting into. But those guys, after Jack left, and he still volunteered with me, and he became a coach and teacher, and I stepped into that ministry. We went from 20 kids to 100 kids, still not knowing what we were doing but we knew we were called. We knew we were called, and we kept trying. We kept trying. So we went to Mexico on a mission trip one time, and none of us ever did a Mexico or, or a mission trip. But God blessed it. Just trying to be obedient. I've told you get this guys this before. My little pocket Bible that I used to read at IUMAX that I'd read, you know, every time I'd take a coil off the hot meal, uh, it'd take about 45 minutes from start to finish. And my job was for about 15 minutes to so 30 minutes. I got, and I asked my boss, can I read? Do you mind me? I'd just gotten saved. And he, I said, do you mind me reading my little Bible? Because I don't care what you do down there. And so, and so I did. I got to know this. I, I, there's... Tens and tens and tens of Psalms and Proverbs. I didn't even know there was, there was an Old Testament, to be honest with you. Um, to be honest with you, it was kind of crazy. I never read it except Psalms and Proverbs. And I told Dan, Dr. Dan the other day, I said, my theology, I've, got, I've still got it written in here, some of my theology. It was bad. It was really bad. But I was leading people to Jesus. You know why? Because he transformed my life. There was a radical life change that not only was coming out of my mouth, it was coming out of my life. Sure, when I got called to preach, called to be a pastor, I didn't know that I was going to have to literally preach almost every family death. I didn't know when I got the call, even Wednesday night, my brother my oldest brother called me that my middle brother had called and his wife had died suddenly. She had had cancer, but they didn't expect her in anything like this, and she dies suddenly. She just retired a year ago. They were going to, got an RV. They're going to travel, and she dies. And not every day has, like I told him yesterday, not every day has the same weight, right? Not every day has the same weight. But I believe this, out of the ashes, God can bring his glory, out of the ashes, out of the worst circumstances. I know it personally. But listening to them talk about her yesterday, because I've known her a long time for sure too, but people who lived with her all the time, the radical life change and how she was such an evangelist for the kingdom. And her life verse Romans 12, 12, and I've noted it in my Bible now, Maryland's life verse. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. She wrote a note to the church about two weeks ago, and the pastor lost it in his briefcase and didn't get it out after she passed. And it was kind of her saying goodbye, even though she didn't know she was going to die. But she closed it with that verse, and that's how she lived. She's a nurse. Nurses in here, thank you. Nurses are in it for the right reasons. What I mean by it is compassion. 
Thank you for all of you. But there's something about those who really do it because of a calling and a compassionate heart. You know them when you go to the hospitals. I don't think there's very many at TSA. I found that out the other day. <laughs> nah, that, that part I found out. Sir, over here. Sir, sir, sir. Oh, what are you doing? You put your laptop back in. You don't have to do it. So not many there. <laughs> and it wasn't in my laptop. I was feeling bad for the other guy. It wasn't even me. He's yelling that. But I was like, whoa, okay. So sitting in the car riding with my two nephews yesterday, one's 53 and the other one's 44, and listening to them talk about my parents. You've heard me say enough about my parents over the years that how I've, to, I've told you before, they taught me how to live and they taught me how to die, both. I mean, you live like Jesus along the way, it has, it's an easier way to do that. But to listen to my two nephews talk about my, grand, my parents, we had a messed up family. I mean, it was It was bad. For a long time. I got five siblings and all of us, for the most part, were messed up pretty bad without Jesus. But my mom and dad did. And my dad at 62 years old, I just did dawn on me last night, two years older than me. They drove to Venita, Oklahoma. They already had, and I had a sister that was probably at that point seven or eight years old because she's quite a bit younger than me a nephew already living in their house from a divorce, messed up situation. Then they drove to Venita, Oklahoma and picked up a sophomore in high school, an eighth grader and a sixth grader and brought them home and raised those five kids. It's 60 something years old, <laughs> coming from terrible, dysfunctional, messed up situation. And to listen to those two men who are awesome men, those who know Harlan and Brent, And those, his two sisters and my little sister. My mom and dad wouldn't call it a calling, but they poured into those five kids for two or three years and saved their life. And they'll tell you. They said, when we got in that van and we went to Mama and Papa's, we knew we were safe. Yeah, and they'd take us to Easy Mart or the convenience store, get three things. Papa would take us every Saturday. <laughs> and they just remember that. It's just, I, mean, I don't remember a lot of things at, at five, six years, but they remember so imprinted because there was a calling on my mom and dad's life, but they're never going to have a book written about them. You're not going to know much about them, but you realize in, you're in your lane, man. This is my lane, and I'm going to step into it, and I'm not going to run from it. We got too many runners in our church. We need people stepping into what they're called to do. Devote yourself. Pick a path. Get on it. Stay on it. What did I say? Everybody has a reason to what? Quit. Everybody has a reason to quit. But everybody has a reason I can guarantee you to go on. My mom and dad are going to riffle. I'm telling you, I got texts from my nieces and nephews since I've been back going, I am just so thankful for Mama and Papa. Now, it's my, it's my sister-in-law who passed away, but they realized the ripple. Sixty-something of us, all of us in church, all of us committed to the Lord. It's unbelievable what has happened, and it's only God. 
It's, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's happened in your life. I don't know why things are going the way they're going, and I hate it for you. But it is only the radical transformation of Jesus Christ that's going to make the difference. You can go to all the psychologists and make all the excuses and, and, and try to run from something. I'm telling you right now, stop, put your face down, and worship him. He will change everything. I don't know where that came from, but <laughs> do not neglect. I love, I told you last week, I love the imagery, imagery of this passage of scripture. Do not neglect. He's what he's implying here is fan the flame. Stir the flame. Every day, stir the flame. Every day, allow the spirit to let it rise up. I've told you this before. We do not want to be a station here at 5604 North 24th Street. We don't want to be a station where every week, all we're doing is trying to get another little fire underneath you. Well, we want to be as a place where you come, you're introduced to the fire. But what we would love to see happening is there are people walking into this room every week that the fire's already going, and all we're doing is throwing a little more gas on it. But if people are operating where they're just trying to get through this week, just made it to there, and I realize there's seasons. But that can't be your life. Can you imagine what the Konania, the, the fellowship of the Spirit would be like if the, if the fire was already going before we all got here? And we just throw a little gas on it? The Spirit blows on it? As Jesus told Nicodemus, have you ever seen the wind? No, but you've seen the effects of the wind. And the wind does what? It blows where it Blows. Speaking of spiritual gifts, next Sunday I know we're going to be in our crash course. We'll be led through that. But it's the spiritual gifts, and I'll talk more about it in some of the other messages. We've got to fan the flame. Fan the flame. You know, I... I've said a lot over the years. So many times we want to know, we want to think that, that this whole calling and all this, it's all about us. Everything's about us. God would never let that happen to us. He'd never let, and we find out someday that, yeah, it does happen to us. It happens to Christians. It happens to full-blown followers of Jesus Christ. It happens to all the rain. It rains on the just and unjust. It just happens. The question is what you do in the middle of it and how you prepared for it how you prepared for it and what you do in the middle of it. It's all coming. But in the middle of all that, I want to know this. It's not about me. It's about him and it's about them. And I'm the conduit. 
you know, we've been working at our house, doing a lot of work and good conduit running. And one of the things you definitely do when you're, because we put up the studs and everything, then you put the wiring in and you put the, 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 the brackets over the wires and the studs to make sure you don't put a, a screw through it. Because one of the things you don't want to do, you do everything you can, not just to protect somebody from getting electrocuted. Okay, uh, that, that, that could be a byproduct. The bigger thing is you don't want the power to stop. So you use, you protect. You do everything you can to protect the power flowing through. The conduit is not the power. It is the protector and carrier of that power. The wire ultimately is that. But you're going to do everything you can to make sure you don't short circuit it. And one of those ways we do that is when God begins to show us our spiritual gifts. Like I said, I'll talk more about that. Sometimes God calls us not only to, to, to sometimes our, our, our spiritual gifts, I think, give us parameters. They begin to allow us to seize, begin to allow us to focus in a little more. It says, set a course. Well, God, what are you showing me? And one of the ways we figure that out is through spiritual gifts. I was called to preach. Had really no sign of it. I just knew God had called me. Then I began, because there are certain things, though, you can't learn. I can, like teaching a class, I can, we can teach people how to teach a class, but there's a difference in that and being anointed from the Spirit by the gift of teaching. Because the spiritual gifts impart spiritual truth. I can regurgitate a lot of things. I can get a lot of people and give me information. That's the difference between having a, an anointing upon that truth that is coming from someone who's been called. We may talk more about next week laying on of hands that we do believe. And we believe laying on of hands can be for the sick. We know scripture talks about that. But one of them is, is commissioning people and ordaining people. It's throughout scripture, Acts 6. We, we can look at throughout scripture, there's, there's, there's examples of that. But also sometimes laying on of hands can be a part of stirring up. The stirring up of what God is doing in somebody's life. The revealing of gifts. I think when a church is fully operating and not neglecting and not ignoring their gifts, something unbelievable happens there. Scripture is very clear on we being a body. One of the things that that I believe gifts does for us when we understand, because spiritual gifts are not spiritual fruits, okay, That, that they're not the same. They're not spiritual disciplines. And you can't just go get one, okay? I want to be a preacher, so I'm going to go get one. I want to be a, no, they're given as the Spirit sees fit. But I tell you what accelerates that is obedience. What accelerates your knowledge and understanding, I believe, is obedience. People ask me, Kurt, how did you grow so fast in your faith? And, of course, like I said earlier, I had some advantages. I got the word in me, like, no, it was ridiculous how much I got to read early on. And I wasn't a reader. But I said, the one thing that I think, if I look back on, because I had nobody disciple me, again, like I've said before, it shows. However, 
I was hungry and passionate. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be, shall be filled. But I said, the thing that I think that stood, as, as I look back 30-something years now, that it, it, it was 27 years old, the thing that I look back on is, is that when I came, when I finally realized what God was saying on something, I tried to put it into action. And if he said remove something, then I tried to remove it. I tried to fill myself with what God was showing me. And what I think kind of in my imagery was, other things had to get pushed out. So many of you got your minds and your hearts cluttered. It's so cluttered. One reason we teach uncommon here, and I, and I was talking to my nephews about it last night, that one of the biggest reasons why we have I, I've developed uncommon or we've developed uncommon here, and to, at some point we'll do it again, is to clear the clutter. We're a cluttered society now. You've got way too much information pouring in. I told, I told the group this morning in Crash Course, for some of you, we believe that growing intentionally is important. And one of the things I would say is this. Some of you need to stop listening to a podcast. And you just need to pick one and start living into that. You might be able to listen to eight later. I don't know. But right now, what happens is we talked about it's paralysis from analysis. you got too much information and you do nothing with it. Just take something small and start doing it because you know it's from him. You know it's in his word. And start leaning into it. Just gathering information along is pointless. Dallas Willard talks about the word knowledge in Scripture never is used. Never. Unless it's experiential knowledge. You don't have knowledge unless you're experiencing it. You got information. But until it moves to the doing, until it moves into your to your limbs and bones and skin and muscles, and you only have this here. Knowledge is experiential. Just to be honest with you right now, I have no idea where I'm on my nose. But I'm okay. Man, he's good. He is so good. Yeah, it's been a hard week. Yeah, it's hard to leave my brother yesterday knowing in those three kids of his who are all grown that there's a void now. For me, I come back to Arizona. I fly 1,240 miles. I love Maryland. But I didn't see Maryland every day. And honestly, I don't know that I prayed for her every day. didn't think about her every day, even though it's recently more, way more because of her cancer. It's a void, but not the same as for them. And I know that. But I see my middle brother, six years older than me. Her faithfulness, she never wavered in her walk with Christ. Janet, she never wavered. Mike was almost 50, really, before he came his life to Christ. But she never wavered. And now you see him as a rock. And I know he, God has done a miracle in his life. And his kids, same way. It's the radical, transformative message of Jesus Christ. Don't have anything else for you today. That's it. Believe. The word says, 
that he is who he says he is, that he was once dead and now alive. And he is coming again. But he can forgive your sins as far as the east is from the west, I think, in the Old Testament. He can, they're gone. Would you stand with me? Josiah, you guys come on down. Just We'll close with a song. Maybe it's a declaration. But before we do, as I pray, I think I've told you guys, I've sure told some recently, turning 60, I feel better at 60 than when I turn 50, just to be honest with you. I told some of those students that I had Texarkana were there this weekend that I saw yesterday. And I tell them, I said, I know how I got to 60. I just don't know how you got to 50. <laughs> I said, I know what it took me to get to 60. But I turn around and you're 48. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but you are. And I look better. No, I just kidding. I didn't say that. No, I was kidding about that. I didn't say that. I didn't say it. Didn't even think it. I just threw it in. but they're still following after him. It's worth it. It's just worth it. And I just want to say to you today, you may be here in this room and saying, you know what? I don't know anything about Jesus. I don't know enough about the Bible. Maybe I can't get saved. As most of you know, I didn't know what the first book of the Bible was when I got saved. I didn't know it was Genesis. Didn't know. But I knew something was happening in my life, and I knew there was a, something stirring in me that I could not explain. And I just said yes. I just said yes. My life wasn't a disaster. I had a beautiful wife, beautiful baby, good job. That doesn't, you don't have to be in a disaster. You just need to know he's calling you know it and you lean into that and say yes and maybe even show up next week at crash course you bow your head now if you would I know this, I don't necessarily have to try to make it easy I know the day when I gave my life to Christ they made me walk down front and I had to shake everybody's hand it's pretty miserable so I'm trying to work on help you but it wasn't in another way it's my first, first faith step so for some of you right now, I'm just, if you'll bow your head. Uh, if you're here right now and that is the message you heard today, I need a radical transformation. And you don't even know what all that means. But there's something in you, not because fast talking, not because of good music. You just know it's time. I want to pray for you. I won't call you out by name. I would love to say hi to you afterwards if you'd let me. But if you are that person right now, I want to, would you raise your hand? Raise your hand, please. Just leave it up. Thank you. Let me pray. Lord, we... Uh, as we leave out today as a declaration of your love. 
and call on our lives. Lord, you call individuals, but you do it for the masses. You call us initially just to follow you. And I say just, I don't mean that in a minimizing way. <laughs> do I even think that's minimized? To follow you. Lord, I think of Peter as it's recorded in John 21. The same follow me at John 21 was not the same follow me on the seashore. They both were follow me, but he was going to follow Jesus to death. We're all different places in here today, Lord. But I pray right now for those who are stirring, but they couldn't raise their hand, or those who have raised their hand. That Jesus is the answer. That I'm convinced of. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in the ripple effects of lives. And Lord, for some here today, I just pray that they say, I'm in. They go tell somebody. It doesn't have to be me, but tell somebody. I don't know what all this means. I don't know what all it means, but I know this. Jesus is the answer. But the word says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, we shall be saved. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the lives represented here. They represent a lot of stories. Whew. Stories of transformation, stories of praise, stories of heartache. But it's all part of this divine story that we all get to walk together. Lord, I pray for my family back in Arkansas and Texas that you wrap your arms around them. And I already know they know it, but they're just reminded how much you love them. And we thank you again for this time. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.